perhaps you have heard several uh, times the story of Valentine, St. Valentine, and of course you know we just came through Valentine's Day this past Thursday. Tell you a little bit about Valentine and how we got to Valentine's Day. If you haven't heard of it, uh, Valentine, probably there were a couple of them, but they probably were the same man according to the stories. But uh, he was a priest in Rome under Emperor Claudius II. And according to tradition, after he was imprisoned and beaten, he was beheaded on February the 14th. That's why we celebrate it. You know, it's a good thing we don't celebrate the beheading. But we celebrate more of what he stands for. But uh, how did this come to be, how, that he would be beheaded? Why would the emperor have him beheaded? Well, because, uh, again, according to the story handed down, Valentine undercut an edict by Emperor Claudius. In order to uh, gain more soldiers for his army, he forbade marriage so that he could get these men into his army. And he was trying to weaken the, uh, the family. Well, Valentine ignored the order, and he secretly married young couples in the underground church. And these activities, when discovered, led to his arrest. But Valentine had a romantic interest of his own. While he was in prison, um, he became friends with the jailer's daughter. And being deprived of books, he amused himself by cutting shapes with paper and writing notes to her. And the last note that he wrote arrived the morning of his death, and it ended with the words, Your Valentine. So February the 14th was named in his honor. And we think that's so romantic and so sweet. But I want to tell you about a greater love today, and of course, you know where I'm going. And uh, it's not coincidence, by the way, that uh, we are in Romans chapter 5, and we come to these verses. So I'm going to invite you to turn to uh, that chapter in your Bible. And uh, let's read verses 5 through 8. Romans 5, 5. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that this morning, by your Holy Spirit and through your word, that you would absolutely, positively, thoroughly convince people of your love for them. Not just a head knowledge, but Lord, an experiential awareness from their head to their toes that you're in love with them. And that no human relationship that they have here will ever compare to the love that they can have through you. Open our spirits to receive your word. In the name of Jesus and for the glory of God, we ask. Amen. So, in our outline, which by the way is on the back of your bulletin this morning, 
Uh, we're talking about the blessings of the gospel. What are some things we have because we have believed the gospel? Well, last week we talked about we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we talked about because of that we have access to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. But today I want us to talk about we have the love of God. Now, listen, I know what it's like to know that here and not feel it here. And I would imagine that's some of your experience today that, that you know it here but you haven't been absolutely, positively, thoroughly convinced of it right here. You're not really feeling it. Many of you here today perhaps feel disconnected from God. But I hope that today, by the power of the Spirit and the, the Word of God, that you leave here today absolutely, positively, thoroughly convinced that He loves you. You. As if you were the only one there was to love. I want to use Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 through 19 as my outline. And I want to read that for you. It's going to be up on the screen. It reads like this. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So I want to talk to you this morning, first of all, about the width of God's love. The width of God's love. How much does God really love me? How much? You remember when you were a kid, and you would say, Mommy, how much do you love me? What would, or Grandma, how much do you love me? What would Grandma or Mommy do? This much. I love you this much and then she would wrap her arms around you and hug you so how wide is God's love well the Bible says here in Romans chapter 7 that it's poured out in our hearts that word in the language said is shed abroad it means it's abundantly produced the word is properly applied to water it's a reference to water or any other liquid that's poured out as if it were gushed out or to run greedily out or to spill over. Like 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed or poured out or gushed over upon us. Now I want you to get a picture here. It creates a word picture, so I created a picture for you. If you would look at the screen and you'll see a waterfall. Anybody recognize that? Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls is made up of three falls, the American Falls, the Bridal Veil Falls, and the Horseshoe Falls, the greatest of which are the Horseshoe Falls. But between these three waterfalls, over 757,000 gallons of water per second are going over those falls. Would you call that a gush? That's more than a gush, isn't it? That's the picture of God's love for you. It gushes out upon you. Victoria Falls, the next falls you see here, is on the Zambezi River in Africa. It is probably the widest falls in the world. It's over a mile wide. How wide is God's love for you? It's wider than that. 
and it's gushing over upon you day after day after day after day. You know, there are things are precious to us because of our relationship to them. The most precious thing a mother has, what do you think the most precious thing a mother has? If you think it's daddy, think again. <laughs> if there's a burning building and you and her kid are in that burning building, guess who she's going for first? Daddy, it ain't you, okay? Get over yourself. <laughs> the most precious thing to a mother is her dear little baby, her child. Now, we all love those who are near to us by the ties of nature. But more precious than a babe is to her mother are we to God. Because we're born in his household by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are his sons and daughters. And dare anything come between God and you. And God and you. No wider love exists than God. How much do you love me, Grandma? I love you this much. God, how much do you love me? Well, you remember the song by Casting Crowns? Jesus, can you show me just how far the east is from the west? Remember, he says, he takes our sins and he removes them as far as the east is from the west. You know, if you travel west, you'll never get east. You'll never be headed east. You'll always be going west. If you travel east, you'll never be going west. You'll always, he says, it's like a line going in opposite directions. It goes on for how long? How long does the line go in both directions? To quote Buzz Lightyear, guys, to infinity and beyond. And then he stretched out his hands, God did, and he said, I love you this much. And then he died. Casting Crown says, Jesus, can you show me how far the east is from the west? And then he answered the question, yes. From one scarred hand to the other. How wide is God's love? How much does God really love you? Well, he's gushing it out daily, continuously, pouring forth. Now, the difference between Niagara Falls and Victoria Falls is that Niagara Falls gushes constantly at that rate of 757,000 ga gallons per second. The problem with Victoria Falls, it's a wide fall, but in Africa, the rainy season comes and goes. And that curtain of water isn't always there. It narrows and, and drips here and drips there. Well, see, that's why we can't think of any human comparison to the love of God. One day, Niagara Falls will dry up. What if it did? Does that mean God's love for you is going to dry up? No greater love, no wider love exists because he proved it on the cross. He says, Paul says, I want you to know the width of God's love. The width. But then he says in Ephesians, we just read it, but that knowledge, it, it, it surpasses knowledge. We cannot comprehend. Can you comprehend infinity? Can you? I remember as a kid learning that, that truth about a, a straight line. 
that it goes on forever in both directions and never ends. I thought there's not enough paper to draw a line that long. There's not enough lead or ink to draw a line that long. It would go on into infinity. And God wants you and I to know that's how wide His love is. It goes on into infinity. You cannot measure the love of God. How measureless it is. Well, He says, I want you to know the width of God's love, but I want you to know the length of God's love. How long will God love me? How long will He love you? You know, I think about human relationships. How many of you have had friends or loved ones come in your life and then go out of your life? Maybe even a spouse that left you or a child that left you or a friend that left you. Someone that was dear to you that you loved so very, very much, but they left you. And you question, how long is somebody, if I enter into this relationship with somebody, how long are they going to love me? How long? The word in Romans chapter 7, he says, the love of God has been poured out, is in the perfect tense, which can be translated, has been poured out and still continuously floods our hearts. The word demonstrates in verse 8, for God demonstrates his own love, is in the present tense, which means God continuously establishes his love. How long will God love you? As long as you obey him? As long as you don't mess up? How long will he love you? The Bible says in Psalm 136, verse 26, Oh, give thanks to the God of heavens for his love or his merciful kindness endures how long? Forever. Jeremiah 31, 3. The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. God will love you forever. Forever. Humans can't love forever. God can love forever. Listen, is there anything that can separate you from the love of God? What does Romans 8, 35, 39 say? It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As is written, for your sake we're killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all those things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded. I am persuaded. That's my prayer this morning. That's what I asked the Lord for. I was only two years old and I don't remember him. But my grandfather on my mom's side, he died when I was two, so I don't really remember him. But I heard stories. And he would, he would say to each of us kids, he would say, I want you to be absolutely, positively, 
thoroughly convinced that I love you. That's what God is saying here in Romans 8. Bobby, if you'll go back to that. I am persuaded. I pray that you be persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can come between you and the one who loves you forever, and that's God. God's love. There's no love that lasts as long as God's love for us. There are some in our church that have been married 50 years. Some of you here have been married that long. Some of you have been married 60 years. I know Fred and Eleanor Cadle just this month celebrated, what was it, 76 years? That's about the longest I've ever heard of. 76, that's a long love. You look at your spouse today and you think, man, I hope we last that long. Seventy-six years, a hundred years. Of course, we don't won't live that long, but we'll live forever. But how long will God love us? Forever and ever and ever. The length of God's love cannot be exhausted. Well, then Paul says also in Ephesians 3, I want you to know the depth of God's love. The depth of God's love. In other words, how deep does God's love reach? Well, read a verse for you. David said, he brought me up. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock. Let me ask you something. How deep a hole were you in before you came to Christ? Some of you think, well, I wasn't that deep. I was only about six inches down. Some say, oh, I was about six miles down. depth of God's love. How deep did God's love reach to get you? It had to reach. It had to reach low to get to me. The farthest our Hubble telescope can see, I don't even know how many millions of miles it can see but it still hasn't reached the edge of space, nor will it, nor can it. It says that God sits above the heavens, above the heavens, above the universe. How far down did God have to go to reach you and me? From heaven to earth. That's pretty deep. How far or how deep is your love for your child? It's wayward. 
that's rebellious or your spouse that's done you wrong. You see, the Bible says in verse 6 of Romans 5, for, we, for when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for who? The ungodly. Verse 8 says, God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were what? Still sinners. What does verse 10 call us? Enemies. If God didn't love the ungodly, then who would he love? He would have no one to love if he didn't love the ungodly. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. And all the world, we learned in Romans 1, 2, and 3, all the world stands guilty before him. That he gave his only begotten son. Verse 6 says, for when we were without strength, that means that we had no power to devise a scheme of making ourselves right with God. We had no ability to make atonement for ourselves. We had no uh, strength to escape from the wrath of God against sin. He says, in due time, Galatians 4, 4 says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent Jesus Christ, born of the seed of a woman. You see, the law of the Jews couldn't save. The wisdom of the Greeks couldn't save. The power of the Romans couldn't save. All earthly experiments had failed to save men. All was in vain. No scheme had been devised to, to meet the maladies of the world to save men from death. It was then, in the fullness of time, in due time, that Christ came all the way from heaven to earth. You think that's not very far. Oh, that's a long way, not only physically speaking, but spiritually speaking. See, we look forward to the day when we're going to leave earth and go to heaven. To leave this sinful, sorry, suffering place and go to heaven where there is no sin or temptation, where there is no sorrow, there is no suffering or death or separation. We're looking forward to going that direction. But Christ put it in reverse and came this direction. No man ever left heaven to come to earth except Jesus Christ. And he went low, low. The Bible says he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he humbled himself. He had to leave the throne to reach way down to come to earth for sinners like you and like me. You see, verse 7 says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a godly man someone would even dare to die. The design of this verse is to illustrate the great love of God by comparing what man would be willing to do. You know, have... It's an unusual occurrence for a person to take the place of another person in death. And even then, it would be for a friend or a, even a stranger who had done him no wrong. That's why he says, scarcely. It's a very rare thing 
that a good man would die for another good man. Very rare. Have you ever heard of it? I've never heard of it in all my life. I've never known one person to volunteer to take the place of another person in death. A good man for a good man. I've never heard of that before. I've yet to see it, yet to experience it. I don't really care to, really. But even if that were the case, some of you say, well, you know, I would die for my wife. Well, yeah, you love her. I would die for my husband. Yeah, you love him. I would die for my kids. Yeah, you love them. I would die for my parents. I'd die for my mother, my father, my brother, my sister. I'd, I'd die for my pastor, <laughs> maybe. I would die for uh, my, my church family. I would die for them. Yeah, those are people you love, you have connections to, but would you die for the skid row bum who had done nothing for you but had taken from you or robbed you or beat you up? Would you do that? No, you wouldn't do that. That's what he's saying here. Most of us would give up our lives if it came to that for someone we loved. But nobody, he says, would give up their life for somebody who hated them or who they despised. But God. That's why that but is there in verse 8. But God. Oh, scarcely for, for a good man would a good man die. But nobody would die for an unrighteous person. But God. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, while a human may, being may be found who will give his life for someone else, that person is either a friend or at least someone who's done them no wrong, but not his enemy. Christ died for those who were enemies of his. Not that he was made them such, but we made ourselves enemies. That's why he says in verse 10, for when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. When we were still enemies. A story is told about the conflicts of a family in Glasgow, Scotland. After years of rebellion, a daughter finally rejected her parents, their values, and their faith. She set out on her own to enjoy a life without restraints, but soon she became enslaved to her own freedom. Years of misery followed as she lived on the streets. She sold herself for pennies. She depended on rescue missions for survival. Because of her self-imposed attachment from her family, she didn't even know her father died or that her mother never quit looking for her. One day she saw a picture that her mom had posted in each of the city's homeless shelters, Scrawled across the bottom of the photo were the words, I love you still, come home. In wonder and disbelief, she set out for home in hopes that she was indeed still loved. But by the time she arrived in the middle of the night, her heart raced as she stepped up on the porch. She prepared to knock, but her countenance fell when she saw that the door suddenly opened as she knocked on it, thinking, of an intruder possibly had broken in to harm her mother. She rushed desperately into the bedroom. She saw her mother laying there on the bed asleep, and she fell on her and embraced her and explained her fears about the open, the open door. And her mom said, no, dear, from the day you left, that door's never been locked. And listen, as deep as a parent's love for a rebellious child or a rebellious grandchild is, it doesn't compare to the depth of God's love for we sinners. 
his door is never locked to the wayward sinner who wants to come home. Human love just cannot compare to God's love. How much deeper can you get than to leave heaven's throne to come to earth, to come to the cross, to be buried in the grave? when you're the son of the living God. That's how deep God's love is for you and me. How many of you have heard of Madeline Murray O'Hare? How many of you know what she did? How many of you cannot pray in your public schools? How many of you remember when that was taken from us? She's the one responsible that an atheist who wanted everybody to be atheist who wanted to start with our children in our schools to take God out and she succeeded but in her dying breath she cried somebody somewhere Please love me. And if she would have reached out to God, the door would have been unlocked for Madeline Murray O'Hare. You're not too deep that God can't reach. How deep the Father's love. Well, then Paul says in his outline in Ephesians 3, the width, the length, the depth. But then he says, I want you to know the height of God's love. What's the highest expression of love? What do you think the highest expression of love is? Jesus said it in John 15, 13, says, Greater love has this. Greater love has no man than this, that what? He laid down his life for his friends. Well, look at verse 6 of Romans 5. For when we were still without strength at, in due time, what happened? Christ died. God demonstrates his own love towards us, and that while we were sin still sinners, Christ died. How greatly the love of God demonstrated by the height that he will go to prove That he loves you. You know, a lady in Spain made the news and she chose a unique way to test her husband's love. Ladies, I don't suggest you do this. But with the help of a friend, she manipulated her own kidnapping and she sent a ransom notice to her husband. The police discovered that this kidnapping was a hoax and they asked the lady why she did it. And she said, I, I wanted to find out how much my husband would pay for it to get me back. What would he do to get me back? In contrast to human sacrificial love, Christ laid down his life for us. Greater love has no man. You cannot love like God. I don't care if you're a mama or a grandmama, a daddy or a granddaddy. 
a brother, sister, child, pet, doesn't matter. You can't love like that. Amen. Jesus said in John 10, 11, that I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gave his life, gives his life for the sheep. He said, as the father knows me, even so I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. 1 John 3, 16. John reminds us, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. You know, uh, one Valentine's Day, a girl asked her boyfriend, do you love me? He said, yeah, baby, I love you. She said, would you die for me? He goes, no, mm -mm, my love's an undying love. <laughs> Aren't you glad God has a dying love? Another comparison with a human story. California gold rush broke out. A man went there leaving his wife in New England with their son. And he said, as soon as I get to California, I get established and get enough money, I'll send for you. But it was a long time before he was able to do that. But at last he got enough money to send for them. And the wife's heart leaped for joy. She took her boy to New York to get aboard a, uh, a steamer going out to the Pacific and she sailed away to San Francisco. They had not been at sea long before the cry of fire, fire, rang out through the ship, and rapidly the fire was gaining on the ship. The captain knew that the powder magazine was on board, and that the moment the fire reached the powder, every man, woman, and child would perish. So they got out the lifeboats, but of course in most ships, as the case, there were not enough lifeboats for the passengers. They were all too small. And they were overcrowded. The last lifeboat was pushing off when the mother pled with them to take her and her boy with them. And they kept saying, no, we, we've got as many as we can hold. And she begged more, please, please, just one more. And they finally said, we'll take just one more person. So do you think that she left her boy there on the deck and jumped overboard onto the boat? Of course not. You know what a mother would do. She seized her boy, gave him one last hug, kissed him, and dropped him over into the lifeboat. And she said, my boy, if you live to see your father, tell him that I died in your place. You see, there's not a mama here that wouldn't do the same thing. And perhaps many of you dads would too. But as precious as a parent's sacrificial love is, the sacrifice God made for us is still the highest form of love ever exhibited or ever will be exhibited What's the height of God's love? How high? What did God do? More than anybody else ever did, that sinless, spotless God took on human flesh so that he could be crucified and take your sin, shed his blood instead of your blood. He died. He laid down his life for you. He took your place bottom line in all of this today friends is human love just cannot compare to God's love we cannot love like he does 
He, we cannot love this powerfully. We can't love this widely. We can't love this continuously. We can't love this deeply. We can't love this highly. But we can be loved by faith. We are loved by faith. And that's what Paul said in Ephesians 3, that he wants his God's people to know. How wide, how long, how deep, how high is the love of Jesus. So what difference does this love make in your life today? Ephesians 5, 2. He says, walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. We're to walk in love. We're to love as he loved us. Now, we can't love in the same manner that he loves, loved us, but we can love like he loved us. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, that he wants us, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know how God wants you to live? Trusting him. In faith, you can trust a God who loves you like that. See, trust and love go hand in hand. When you love someone, you trust them. And one who loves you so perfectly, so completely, he wants you to trust him. With whatever you're going through, or for those of you this morning who are not saved, he wants you to trust him with your soul, with your life. He wants you to ask him to forgive your sin and save you. And trust him to take you to heaven when you die. There's no greater force in the universe than the love of God. So on Valentine's Day, which we just celebrated, remember love's not just red hearts and bouquets of flowers and chocolate. Charles Stanley write, writes these words in his study Bible on February the 14th. Perhaps you have a special loved one to celebrate Valentine's Day, or perhaps today is the one of the loneliest days of the year for you. Perhaps you're wondering if anyone is thinking about you. Well, the answer is yes. Jesus is. He's thinking about you, and he thought about you back then. He thought about you as he stood trial, and his love for you kept him focused on the goal to bring you to God, to show you his love eternally, to know that you're his beloved. This week, I received a special Valentine's Day card. Of course, I received several, a couple. One was from my dear wife. But one was from a completely unexpected source. A little red-headed girl named Kara Price walks in my office and just places this card on my desk. 
And she didn't know what God was putting on my heart to preach today. But that little green card sums it all up. And here's what she wrote. There's nothing more powerful than God's love for you. So love him too. I open it up. Picture the cross of Jesus. Jesus is who should be your valentine. Happy Valentine's Day. What a powerful message from a sweet little girl. There is nothing more powerful than God's love for you. I hope you walk out of here today absolutely, positively, thoroughly convinced that God loves you. Because we've talked about how wide, how deep, how long, how high. Do you know that? Do you know that?